So, welcome back. This is the Crimson Clouds Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus, once again. And unfortunately, I could not get any guests for this one. I really wanted this one to be different from the other ones. I didn't want to just keep doing just, um, you know, um, solo episodes just because I didn't want to kind of feel like I was just getting complacent. And I just didn't want to like kind of bore you guys. But due to a um, birthday and the shenanigans involved with that one, that just didn't happen the way I wanted it to, which is also why I missed a deadline, unfortunately. So I'm going to definitely try and keep that as a it's gonna keep that one to a minimum honestly but once again every saturday so let's get right into it um today i actually wanted to talk about something that i basically the entire podcast is always kind of just me talking about things i love so that that doesn't that's not gonna really change at all but it's something that i kind of forgotten that I enjoyed so much and that is kind of the visceral joy I get out of first-person shooters and not even just first-person shooters um but kind of just first-person games because um first-person um video games they give you a level of immersion that you don't get in um that you obviously don't get in third-person games uh for instance because uh, because the the camera the camera is locked into the view uh, that gives you the idea that you know that it um, it immerses you in a way that you don't get from third person games so the escapist joy of it is a lot different than say playing a third person game so obviously um, you get the sense that you are this almighty badass going from action scene to action scene or or even in the case of say the um, outlast games um you are the terrified camera guy running away from you know crazy murders and things but the game that really made me um think about this as a whole actually was the uh, 2016 uh doom reboot slash sequel i guess I can't really, um, I'm not really sure what to call it, but anyway, uh, the Doom, the Doom game in 2016, I know I'm, like, really, really late on this one, but, uh, 2016 was kind of, like, a crazy year for gaming for a lot of people and for me, um, so I never actually truly played it until fairly recently, and finally, after getting through it, I cannot... Cannot like sing my praise for this game enough. It is so much fun and amazing. And the thing about it is that the game is just amazing. Honestly, it's really just a fun little experience you can pour about even just a nice little like couple hours into. And it's definitely one of those games like after you beat it, you can just hop in and out without having to worry about any um, without having to worry about. Without having to worry about, say, trying to get all the collectibles or even um, trying to get back into the story and understand anything you might have missed because it is just one of those games that's cut and dry, like you're just playing it to ultimately kill monsters and stuff. But the thing about Doom for me specifically 
was the fact that it's just so fun and not to say that it's because it's bare bones that's what made it fun but it was a game that really really kind of drove into that really um uh drove into the concept that it was and when i say that i mean that it really fell on its laurels that it was a first person shooter that it was trying to do nothing more but give you a really great time while while um simultaneously it was actually a pretty deep game story-wise now it's nothing is um it now is nothing as a uh, what's what I'm looking for here? Now it's not going to be a um, narrative, <laughs> it, 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 like it's not going to be like a narrative storytelling masterpiece, like say um, Half-Life or Bioshock. But the game, the game had the game was layered enough in a way as to where if you were looking for a pretty like compelling lore as to say what the Doom Slayer was or the demons and all that. Like there was a story behind everything. It was really just up to you to really look into it more. Now, it, now that was like what was really good. And it made me think, it made me stop and think like, why is it that I don't play more first person shooters? And the cynical part of me wanted to say because all first person shooters are essentially just either COD Battlefield or COD or Battlefield emulators. And even just, uh, even from an anecdotal standpoint, it's easy to notice that not all first person shooters are even, um, you know, uh, military shooters because, um, that was one of those things that was an idea that was that seeped in my head really easily and i actually wanted to disprove that just from just from not just a video but also even just um obviously doing research for this um and when i when i looked into it um like any other genre the first person shooter genre it was filled with its own like numerous set of subgenres like um adventure horror even you know something like driving games or even um like a tank and mech games so the games um the reason why i thought it was uh just solely a military shooter was because of the fact that cod it was because of the fact that games like COD and Battlefield, those are some of the more popular games on the market. Um, those are the games that are always going to get the media attention. Those are the games that are always going to probably have the biggest marketing budget. And the games that are honestly always going to be the top sellers. Um, it's never been a matter of domination and it's never been simply a matter of domination but it's actually also been a matter of just exposure like these are the games that people that your say for instance your grandmother is going to be is going to is going to think of video games whenever she like brings them up like just think about it any just think about it any um non-gamer is more than likely to bring up say uh call of duty or grand theft auto than they will 
Bioshock or Ninja Gaiden is because these are the games that are so popular to the point that they're just ingrained in the mainstream that no one even a part of the, um, I guess, gaming culture um, they don't have to look to, they don't have to dig too deep to really know about. And that's just um, kind of what really made me think about this and what was actually like the original inspiration for this outside of like my love for first person shooters because like many other people, some of my like favorite gaming experiences have come from first person shooters and it really has not been first person shooters like um and not even the uh, multiplayer first the multiplayer focus first person shooters like the cobs or battlefields or even overwatch but it's been games like um titanfall 2 bioshock the entire bioshock series actually um the wolfenstein the wolfenstein remakes Wolfenstein 2 was a phenomenal game, and not just from a um, gameplay standpoint, but also just in a narrative standpoint. And then there was also um, Half-Life and Half-Life 2. Half-Life 2 is kind of known in gaming circles as just one of the greatest games ever, honestly. So, the thing about that was... The thing about that was, uh, after kind of... Uh, Let's see, uh, debunking my own bias. I actually wanted, I actually dug a little bit deeper into this. And I'm not gonna bore you guys to death with the um, whole video game history of FPS, of the FPS genre. But like any genre, it's gone through its ups and downs, and obviously its innovations and its changes. And one of the things that, um, and one of the things that I've noticed or that I'm going to touch on specifically is that the FPS genre, um, some of the biggest milestones came, came about, and this is mostly speculation here, not, not speculation, but some of the uh, biggest milestones that we've come to um, that have become so commonplace actually those milestones actually happened fairly recently in the 90s for example for example the original uh wolfenstein the original wolfenstein and doom games those two um were very much like um were comparable to the um, halloween and friday the 13th movies whereas Whereas neither of them were the first, um, were the first slasher, or the first slasher movies in film, those two uh, brought attention to the genre, and then innovated and popularized the um, tropes associated with it. Um, and Doom and Wolfenstein both did that in a sense too. Um, Wolfenstein, for example like started out showing that the best way to have a first person shooter for the, for um, video games um, in, in 1992 was having them as corridor shooters. And it was because of the fact that most um, PCs and some of the gaming consoles then just really couldn't handle the uh, processing power, couldn't process and act, and act <laughs> can't talk about that, and actively render 
um, environments in the same way. So the enclosed, um, so the enclosed environments was kind of a workaround to that. Very much the same way that um, in Silent Hill on the original PlayStation, um, how the dense fog that's become such an iconic part of the game itself that was more or less just a technical workaround because they couldn't uh because the game because the playstation at the time could not um process the uh, draw distance that large so wolfenstein kind of started the started the um craze and then doom came in and popularized it there was <laughs> there was a point in time when almost every single computer came pre-programmed with doom and everyone was playing doom <laughs> and um just like that the first person the fps genre in itself kind of just took off and throughout the 90s there was um soon after that 1996 there was quake which was there was quake which helped um start which helped uh, start the multiplayer, which helped start the first person shooter multiplayer aspect that seems so commonplace today. And then after that came Half-Life showing that first person shooters could be very narrative heavy and narrative driven. And then um, soon after that into the 2000s, there was um, Medal of Honor and Halo, which um, kind of popularized the military shooter and then show the commercial success and then show the commercial success of FPS shooters respectively. So ultimately, um, and those aren't the only games that did it, but those are just some that, um, those are just some of the biggest that really um, kind of made the first person shooter genre kind of what it is and help kind of mold it. And this isn't to kind of um, overlook the. Then this is and this isn't just to overlook the impact of something like GoldenEye or even uh, Perfect Dark because all those games were fun and phenomenal in their own way. It's really just it's really just I'd be here listing all of them if I just kept going on and on about that. But uh, one of the but in terms of milestones, one of the biggest games. One of the biggest games that um, that affected the FPS genre and kind and kind of um, caused a gigantic market shift was um, Halo, and and not just Halo, but but also um, Call of Duty Modern War Call of Duty Four Modern Warfare um, Halo. Halo, specifically Halo 2 and Modern and Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, both did the same thing. While Halo 2, they both um, showed that online services and video games were a great place, were a great place for multiplayer, and not just any multiplayer, but multiplayer on console games. Because while Quake was the FPS, that focused on multiplayer, that, that focused on online multiplayer, it was a PC game. And um, the Xbox in particular was one of the first um, get home gaming consoles to really allow for, it was, one of the first, uh, it was one of the first home gaming consoles to really allow and focus on its online service. 
I remember Xbox Live was such a huge thing when it came out. And so with that, and so with Halo 2 showing that showing that games could uh, showing that game that the gaming industry could have a market in multi online multiplayer games this kind of made game designers go oh hey we could probably do this and that and then here comes Call of Duty Modern Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare I have no idea why I'm struggling so much to say that uh, a game title but anyway and then comes uh, Modern Warfare and that game was a hit and it wasn't just because it um, branched away from the tried and true World War II, World War II aesthetic that basically um, plagued military um, shooters at the time, but, but the multiplayer was, um, but the multiplayer definitely revolutionized the gaming industry because of the fact that it showed, because it was very similar to Halo 2 in the sense that it helped show the gaming industry that, because it helped show the gaming industry that uh, multiplayer, that multiplayer was a bankable option and not just anything, not just a, and not just a, um, and not just a, fun thing that and not just a fun little side option but something that you can even like base an entire game on because because um way way before that multiplayer because way before then and say um on goldeneye multiplayer was really just and was really just a side option it was just uh supplement it was a supplementary content just something that after you beat the game and hey you have an n64 and four controllers you could just basically play this and then maybe just have bragging rights to to which one of your friends sucks <laughs> at goldeneye <laughs> but whereas um with more people gaining their own consoles and online being a a charged feature a feature that a feature that was monetized with every person having a console and not only just buying, not only just buying the game, but knowing that other people are gonna buy this game just to play with their friends and that they've already had their consoles, the gaming industry took note of this and, and ultimately tried to bank on this as much as they could. Which is why um, Activision and the gaming industry as a whole began to capitalize more and more on multiplayer shooters when it came to FPSs. So you had your Gears of Wars, your Halos, um, you had your Battlefield, things like that. All these games had some sort of multiplayer aspect, especially when it came to FPSs, when it came to the first person video games, it was always something that was seen as a very, very, very bankable option for the gaming industry. And once again, to be completely uh, clear, the, just because of the fact that COD typically dominated the sales charts, it's very, very, very easy to fall into the misconception that um, COD and Battlefield 
and any game of that ilk, ultimately, like a military first-person shooter, that those are the only um, first-person shooters on the market, or even just first-person games, because you still have your Fallouts, your Skyrims, your Dooms even, your Wolfensteins, the Metroids, the Bulletstorms, even Titanfall. And despite the fact that these games don't fall into the COD mold, they just are a different form. They're just, they just express the creativity of the game designers in a different way, which is, uh, of course, like the entire point of almost any media. But it's just the fact that because the because they're so um, let's see left of the uh, norm or the mainstream, it's very easy to fall into the misconception that that at the end of the day there's really just either cod or battlefield or just some cheap imitation and that's the thing um i was really 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 into a kind of a, a slump on first person shooters because of the fact that i actually i personally just bought into that misconception that really any first person shooter is just going to be multiplayer based especially right now um for those of you that may not know, for anyone listening, um, the gaming industry is currently in kind of a weird place. Um, like any sort of um, big, um, like any sort of big industry, they're always moving towards the money. So you're very much like how um, there was a shift from uh, just typical split-screen multiplayer to online pay. <laughs> to a paid online multiplayer there's also been a shift away from um just single player games that have multiplayer just kind of a single fo single player focused games with multiplayer as an added bonus to multiplayer game to multiplayer only games like um evolve overwatch and we're gonna get to <laughs> we're gonna dive a little bit deeper into overwatch in a second here uh, to the latest uh, Black Ops 4, and both of those also, sorry, <clears throat> both of those also um, fall into, both of those also fall into a very recent trend, which is, um, not both of those, but, um, sorry, uh, Black Ops 4 falls into the recent trend of having a um, battle royale mode, and that's kind of the craze so like your fortnite um i think it's a uh, apex legends is the latest one and uh pubg the uh i believe that one is actually the one that started this and then fortnite kind of piggybacked off it but that's not really here or there but once again it's just because these games typically dominate the charts they kind of um because these games dominate the charts they also dominate the perception of what a certain uh, gaming genre is and as a consumer it is left on you to kind of fall to, to do the research in itself to see what else is out there and it's really really hard because without the coverage it's very easy to pass up on certain gems um, while everything is not going to be a big name release, like say Doom or Wolfenstein, 
um, there's going to be something like Outlast, which not a lot of people will know about, or um, I can't remember what the, what the game was called. I think it was Hello Neighbor. It was something like a weird, it was like a weird stealth game. And it, anyway, um, it, anyway, uh, the point is that when it comes to this, like uh, indie titles or such, it's really, really easy to um, miss out on it's really easy to miss out on gems that uh, fall into a certain genre that you may be uh, falling away from just because of the overexposure of maybe a large game, a large game or franchise that you're just not into. Like for, because uh, that was like the biggest thing for me is that I drifted away from the uh, first person shooter genre just because it really felt like the only thing I could get into was either COD or Battlefield. And the worst part about that was um, even with other options like say Outlast or having already played Bioshock and still waiting for a sequel for that one. <laughs> like having already played all three Bioshock and still waiting for a sequel. Um, it just felt like I was kind of out of options without having it to go really, really far back or end up getting a PC and just play things on Steam because I'm a PlayStation 4 guy. But that's neither here nor there. But it was just the fact that I just felt so lapsed on all the CODs and just not even a fan of Destiny or any game like that, which is also another important topic. But, but um, it was just... Um, at the end of the day, it was just kind of being a lapsed consumer because I bought into the uh, misconception that this is all it is, and just I didn't want to take a chance. So it just kind of, uh, in essence, um, the biggest thing about it is that despite the overexposure and everything that happens, um, consumers have to take a chance at all times, even though it may seem daunting to spend your money on a game that you're not 100% sure on, even though, personally for me, I knew, I'd always knew I was gonna like Doom. I played the demo a lot, and I'm really into spooky shit, so. <laughs> um, a different example I wanna present to you is uh, Bulletstorm. Bulletstorm was a game that I'd never played before. I think um, I had heard of it when it came out on the PlayStation 3. And I was just kind of bored and just had the money and I'm like, oh hey, there's a remaster, this one's really cheap, so I picked it up. And it was actually a really fun game. It was very comical, it was it had a pretty fun shooting, and I really liked a lot of the uh, mechanics that went into it. But once again, uh, the thing about that was that it didn't get enough exposure and the worst part was it didn't get a lot of sales. So without that, so without that, the most important part, without the sales, without the sales to back it up, it left the gaming industry. Um, it left not only the gaming industry, but the uh, the game series itself. Kind of just the gaming industry um, just kind of looked at it and just went, okay, see, like you're you're good, but you're not that good, you know. So it just went back to its laurels. And that was kind of the thing for me, is that it felt like it just wasn't going to, that it wasn't going to like break the mold or anything, that that this would be the only thing, that it would just ultimately cause me having to go back 
to playing COD just because that was like the only first person shooter. Well, once again, it's still not. Like COD's not the only first person shooter out there in the world. Um, it's presence is definitely something that can't be this is something that definitely can't be ignored because um then you have games like say star world star world star wars battlefront 2 which um it was probably different for everybody else but um for me at the very least it felt completely like a it felt completely like a star wars skin version of battlefield it had you know like the um like the hero mechanic or you're a freaking Jedi. But um, the worst part about it was just the fact that it really didn't feel, it just didn't feel like a Star Wars game. And granted, the shooting in Battlefield is like really good. And so, I mean, I get it. There's no reason to actually, there's no reason to like change something if it's not broken. But there's no reason a completely different franchise, even if it, even if it is made by the exact same company, should just feel like kind of a um, poor reskin of should feel like a poor reskin of an already established franchise no matter how much no matter how much success that franchise has already had that just kind of feels like it's not really tapping into the creativity that the game designers obviously have so that was a thing and once again just circling back to the Bulletstorm example, um, without uh, without the proper backing from the consumers or a proper audience that that basically like yelled and screamed like, hey, these games are fun, make more games like this. The gaming industry just kind of saw it and just said, yeah, and just kept and just kept going the the path that was going. So without proper without proper motivators, it's it's impossible to actually like really see change. Like there's always going to be another COD because it's a freaking annual franchise at this point. There's always gonna be another Battlefield. And hopefully there's never a snafu like the awful, awful time when Titanfall 2 um, released and it had the wild misfortune of being a great game being released in the in-between period of the latest Call of Duty and the latest Battlefield where it was left to die. And so because of that, <laughs> and so because of that, um, it had a very lukewarm reception and the game was actually amazing despite the fact that it could just as easily have been uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 3. The game itself felt original enough and had such tighter controls and gameplay that it really could have just been that it really could have like kind of showed like hey like we need more originality like this but at the end of the day um but at the end of the day when it comes to games like cod they're going to always dominate the market so um fps's in general it depends for the person. <laughs> like, it depends for the person. That's really all I have to say about it. Um, like, I like them, uh, depending on the game. I really love them when they're like incredibly creative or just like really, really fun. Like, well, I can't get a lot of fun out of COD. After a while, they are just the same game. Um, <laughs> but 
all in all, uh, I feel I have gone on way too long about this, but thank you guys for listening. Um, hopefully, I'm going to be right back on track with this uh, next Saturday again. And I actually have my social media up. So if you want to follow anything for the podcast and just check on updates when the um, episodes are going to come out, um, I'm going to stay on a weekly, I'm going to, once again, I'm going to stay on a weekly um, schedule. So check back every Saturday for an episode on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, what have you. Just Google Crimson Clouds, and it, even if you just want to send in questions or, I don't know, uh, comments, or even, you know, tell me how I'm probably your favorite person in the world, <laughs> um, you can shoot me a, you can shoot me a tweet on Twitter, it's uh, 13, it's uh, at, it's at 13 underscore clouds, or or uh, on Instagram, and this is going to be a mouthful. It'll just be Crimson Clouds Podcast, and that's just the um, you'll, you'll know when you see it. It'll have the uh, it'll have the uh, Crimson Clouds logo on there. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening, and I'll catch you guys soon.